grace and mercy and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for today is from Philippians chapter 2. Dear friends in Christ, what is it that you would like to be when you grow up? Now maybe for some of you this question comes a little late in life. But at some point in our lives, we all ask ourselves the question, what is it that my future holds? What do I want to be? When I was seven years old, I got one of the best gifts ever from my parents. I got a spy kit for my birthday. It had a gun, it had binoculars, it had a spy camera, and it had a badge. And I don't know what kind of spy has a badge, but if you're seven years old, you think that that's the coolest thing. And it had this little paper passport in it. And in that passport, I wrote my spy name. My spy name was Roger. Any name besides Cy. And then I wrote my age, that my age was 20 years old. I was an accomplished spy at the ripe old age of 20. And why did I want to be a spy, you might ask? To serve my queen? To serve my country? To serve my fellow man? No, I wanted to shoot people. What other reason would you have a gun in a spy kit except to shoot people? And everyone knows that a spy can indiscriminately shoot anyone he wants and not be accountable to anyone as long as you have the double zero designation. Any James Bond fan out there will get that. Later, as I matured, I no longer wanted to be a spy. I wanted to be a police officer. And then I wanted to be a soldier. When I was 16 years of age, my pastor at the time, Ron Simpson, asked me the question, What do you want to be when you grow up? I responded, a soldier. What, he said, and make a living off your body for the rest of your life? You should think about being a pastor, he said. Not a chance, I thought. What fun would that be? One, you don't get a sidearm, and two, you are in constant service to others. Not like a private in an army who is beholden to none except everyone who outranks him, which is everyone. But I did not care. I had my own agenda for this life in mind and not God's. If I was going to serve someone, I was going to serve me, not anyone else. But God had other plans. I was going to serve me. And here I am, not thinking where I would be at 47 years of age. If you are not where you thought you would be now, then you might be exactly where God wants you to be. In our sinful nature, we want to go to the place of self-service, but God directs his people to places of servanthood. As Christians, we serve. We serve in our homes, we serve in our workplaces, we serve in the church, we serve at our schools, we serve in our families. Even though Christians may end up in places of great authority, God gives that authority so that we might serve others. A father, his family, a pastor, his people, a general, his troops, a prime minister, his country, a mother, her children, and this church, our community. As Christians, we are called to serve God in the very things we do, whether it is being a plumber or a mother, a doctor or a teacher. God calls us to serve our fellow man regardless of the task. In my first parish, people would ask me, Pastor, how much do you charge for weddings? And I would always say nothing. And a parishioner finally found out and said to me, Pastor, you are being taken advantage of. My response was, I know. We are Christians. We are the church. We are kind of supposed to be taken advantage of. 
The scripture says we are servants for Jesus' sake. Before I took my first call as pastor, I ran into the then district president, Roy Holm, for Central District. And he said to me just before I was ordained, he said, Sai, you are going to be a servant of God. And I was waiting for a glorious speech on how good it is to be a servant of God. Maybe a bit of the glamour that goes along with being a pastor, but he followed it with this. He said, well, be prepared to be treated like one. At first I was indignant, but soon I realized what he meant. I was not a servant of myself, but of God and his people, just as all Christians are. We are not a people at our own disposal, but we are the master's purchased bond servants, bought not to serve the master's need, for he has none, but bought to live in the forgiveness that he won for us on the cross, and that forgiveness translates into serving our neighbor as ourselves. It is funny that we are bond servants for Jesus' sake, for Jesus himself has placed him himself at our beck and call. God says of himself, Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. He is the shade at your very right hand. Our Lord is always present to forgive. He always forgives, always hears, always answers, always protects, is always present for us, his people. What work does Christ set us, his servants, to do? Well, the way that we serve him, he tells us, is by becoming servants of our fellow man. And being willing to serve our fellow man, however costly, however irksome, however undignified. On the last day, Jesus will say to you as people, whatever you did for the least of these, my brethren, you did for me. That is what love means. As he himself showed at the last supper when he played the servant's part and washed his disciples' feet. Oh, how I have fallen down in my service to my family, my friends, my church, my fellow man and my God. But though I have fallen down, my Lord has never failed to serve me in times of weakness and forgive me in times of sin. Today in the gospel lesson, the chief priests and the elders question the king of kings as to where he gets his authority. And he doesn't have to answer them, for he's the king of all things. All authority in heaven and on earth will soon be given to him. And Jesus is not just the king of this world, but the ruler over life and death and the creator of things seen and unseen. He is the king that knows every hair on every person's head, every thought and every action. Yet today, on Palm Sunday, he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. He had no house of his own and used his authority to serve perfectly where we fail. If you could have asked Jesus as a boy, what do you want to be when you grow up? The king of kings would have said, a servant. And not just any servant, but one who became obedient unto death, even death on a cross for your sake. He lived to serve and died in service to us so that we might be forgiven of all of our sins and have life everlasting. During the American Revolution, there was a man in civilian clothes who rode past a group of soldiers repairing a small defensive barrier. And their leader was shouting instructions but making no attempt to help them. Asked why by the rider, the man who was shouting instructions retorted with great dignity, Sir, I am a corporal. A corporal is one rank above private. The stranger apologized, dismounted, and proceeded to help these exhausted soldiers. The job done, he turned to the corporal and said, Corporal, next time you have a job like this to do and not enough men to do it, go to your commander-in-chief and I will come and help you once again. The horse rider was George Washington. George Washington. 
There are times I need to be reminded to get off my high horse and do my job. But our Lord needed so, no such reminder. Scripture said he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very form of a servant and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus made himself a servant for our sake. You see, he was whipped for our sake, bore the crown of thorns for our sake, bore his cross to Calvary for our sake, nailed to the cross for our sake, and he died for our sake and rose again on the third day to show that he is king over death and the grave. And he will come again to call you into his kingdom. He loves you that much. And now when you need it, you can go to your commander-in-chief and he is by your side always to serve you. What do you want to be when you grow up? Well, whatever else you might be, dear friends, you are forgiven for Jesus' sake. The king died and he rose again for you. Hosanna, Hosanna to the king of kings. Amen. And now let us pray. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in and through Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. Hi, Pastor Sai here. I hope this message was encouraging for you. At Riverbend Lutheran Church, our goal is to support Christians in their daily walk with God and in proclaiming the love of Christ to a lost and broken world. We're a small and inviting congregation welcoming any and all who are sinful, hurting, seeking, or simply broken. Whether you're already a Christian and are looking for a church home or you're undecided about your faith and looking for answers, you are welcome here. We have a number of programs for all ages and walks of life. Sunday mornings we have worship followed by educational programs for all ages. Please join us. For more information, you can visit us online at www.riverbendlutheran.com, call us at 780-430-7382, or email me at pastor at riverbendlutheran.com. Better yet, stop in for a visit. Until then, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace.